Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job by investing in real estate so you never, ever have to work a job again. Today, I am bringing on a fantastic expert. This is the type of person that I hire for my businesses, and they make me money. I'm talking about a fantastic property manager. This expert is going to share with us how she runs her property management business, how we can utilize our property managers to basically be our quarterback for our business, making us money, saving us from losing money, and protecting us as well. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Super pumped, as always, to have you here on the Master Passive Income Show with me. And like I said last week, last episode... I think it was episode 235, and oh my goodness, 236, this is the 236 episodes, I have 236 episodes now, at least with my candy bean track, and I've told you guys many times, I'm not great with numbers, in fact, numbers, and the reason why I love real estate, it's you don't have to be smart to do real estate, numbers go in my brain, and they kind of flutter away, they disappear out of my brain, and so what happens is, I'm going to lose track. So I think we're on 236. We might be 234. We might be 240. I don't know. But what I do know is that we actually hit a million downloads for the Master Passive Income podcast. It's all because you guys are listening and putting reviews in there saying how much you know you appreciate all this stuff. I really appreciate you doing that. And last week, episode 235, I interviewed a friend of mine, and he's a fantastic investor, fantastic business owner. It was episode 235 with Cody Berman, who shares with us at 24 years old, how he became financially independent. Well, in that episode, I actually gave you a promo code, a promo code to get my green light deal analyzer. In fact, it's the one minute green light deal analyzer completely for free. I literally charge for it on my site. If you go to my site, you can see, you can literally buy it there. And it's actually at the very beginning of the episode where I give out that promo code, but I want to give you that for free. So I'll still have that promo code available. And it's actually at the very beginning of the episode, episode 235 with Cody Berman, uh, it's where I actually give it out very, very beginning. So get that promo code. I'm going to leave it up just perpetually. I, I, at least I think I will. Hopefully it'll stay up. Uh, but yeah, you can use that promo code and get it and use that. This is what I and all my students use in our businesses. In fact, next week we'll have an interview with one of my students who has literally within like three months has, he went to RubeCon, a real estate wealth builders conference, and then he bought his first property. Then his second property came within a month and a half, and then his next property came, and then he's in a contract for another one. So that'll be next week, and it's super encouraging to see somebody that got started with me, started group coaching the real estate wealth builders membership, and then he went to RubeCon like two months later, and that really helped his business explode. It's so, so amazing to see people getting together, and that's why I created RubeCon. And the tagline is this, people gathering to make investing better. Like we get together, we help each other out and it's so awesome. But yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for being here on the show. I'll keep rambling. Apparently I just keep rambling, but I'm going to stop now because I'm super pumped about sharing my new uh, friend that I just met. In fact, I was on her podcast, great podcast, and I was sharing about me. And then she started sharing that she is a property manager. I absolutely love 
property managers, they are some of my favorite people because they are very, very hard to find. Good property managers are very hard to find, but they are probably worth their weight in gold. Like they absolutely make me money in my business and protect me from losing money. So I brought on my expert because she knows her business. She actually is a property manager. She manages many properties. And in talking to her, I realized that she sees property management just like I see it, that I, as the landlord, am her customer. And she is there to take care of me as her customer. So we have lots of people in the group coaching and the one-on-one coaching with myself and Charles, which also, like I've told you in the past, I'm going to stop doing one-on-one coaching here probably next month. Like October will probably be the last time I'll be doing taking on any one-on-one coaching students because I don't have any more time to do that. But right now, I have the group coaching, Charles and I are coaching, and the biggest, hardest part for all of the students is to find a good property manager. We interview We have the right questions to ask. We know what we're looking for. But here's the great thing. Inside the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership, the group coaching that I have, I literally have the students find property managers for themselves. And then once they do, they put them in their business. And then I say, hey, this property manager is working out really well for you in the city. Could you give us their information so other students can use them? So we have a laundry list of different cities to invest in that students have already found and property managers to use that students have already found. Now you would have to do your own due diligence to make sure that these property managers, these cities work for you. But the students have already done most of that that hard work, which is fantastic. You know, they've already called 20, 10 10 or 20 different property managers and then settled on the one. Because remember, these are our quarterbacks. We do not just grab somebody off the street and say, you got a pulse, come here, manage my properties, manage my money, make me money, help me from losing money. We don't do that. We actually find the right people for our business. So with that, what we do is we build a business. Now, my students have already done that, and they put that inside the the membership for everybody to use, as well as funding options. This is the great thing about gathering together. That's why I have the RubeCon, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, and I also have the Real Estate Wealth Builders Membership is because when we all help each other out, when we work together, I literally see transformation in all of my students because we are helping each other out. So we have mortgage companies, we have private money, we have hard money lenders, we have banks, we have portfolio loans, commercial banks, all this sort of stuff inside the membership because they've already found the like, basically the, the companies to work with and we put them inside the, the membership so that everybody else can use them. And I'll give you a quick little uh, side note. What was great was I had one student, it was probably about a year ago, she was really needing to get a loan for a company or from a, from a bank that is at minimum $30,000. Because what happens is when you try to get a loan, banks will say, no, the minimum that we lend is $100,000. That's usually like the very minimum. Uh, but then sometimes you'll find $50,000 being the bare minimum because what banks look at is $50,000 and $100,000 or a million dollars. It's all the same amount of work. It doesn't really matter. So it just doesn't make sense to them if they're doing it for, you know, let's say $25,000. She found a property, got it under contract, but she needed a minimum of $30,000. That's almost unheard of. So she literally called 23 different banks and on her 24th bank, I think it was the 24th, it was in the 20s, but on the 24th bank, she found this company that lends. The minimum is $30,000 done. She got the mortgage. She got the property. It's making her, I think, like three or more hundred dollars a month in passive income. But that company is inside of the membership. It's it's just great when we're gathering together, help everybody out. So today, 
I bring on Terry Shower, who is a professional property manager. Trust me, she knows what she's doing. Too bad she's up in Canada. I don't really invest in Canada, but she's up in Canada. If you live in Canada, you want to invest in there and you want to use her as a property manager, absolutely use her. But she gives us so much great insights on what to look for in a property manager and how to make sure we're managing our properties well with property managers. All right, let's jump into today's show where I interview Terry Shower, who's going to show us everything about a property manager. All right, here we go. Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Let's do this. Man, I'm so excited to have you on. I was on your show. Everybody should definitely check out your podcast, which we'll talk about in a minute. But tell us a little bit about what you do to provide for yourself and your family without working that dead-end J-O-B. <laughs> so I kind of have two hats, and I'll start with the hat that I put on first. So basically, like I own a real estate practice, and that looks like uh, property management, and I have my broker's license. I do also do a little bit of coaching, but basically the first hat I wore was the property manager's hat. Um, and that kind of happened by accident. Um, when I was a student, I ended up living in like a student community that was a bit all over the place and lacked management. So I ended up like managing it kind of as um, not even, I was, it was unpaid, but basically I mean, I didn't have to do any chores. So I ended up like managing the student community. And then once I realized that that was going well, then I actually um, changed cities, went to a different college and got my dad to co-sign this lease on a big house. And so actually back then, like I was basically had no living expenses because I portioned out the house and rented the rooms to other people. We call that now house hacking. But that was kind of like my start as a property manager. And then fast forward a few years and then I ended up opening my own company. Um, and basically doing that for other people because I had kind of a good business model that allowed me to um, kind of upsell some properties that were not in the best areas in my home city. That's terrific. So I just got to say, I love good property managers. Like they make my world so carefree and easy. Like I literally don't do a thing because they take care of everything for me. Now there are very bad property managers on top of that too, but I love my property managers. I take my time to hire them well. I make sure that they're going to run my business. And then I love not talking to them and making money with them doing all the work. I just, I love it. So that's awesome. Now it sounds like you, did you have a job before that? Like something that you were working at career? Cause it sounds like you worked your way into this, but at the same time, you also got to make money. So talk to us a little about your backstory, getting into where you are. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of had a funny trajectory in that I um, studied for a really long time. And so I did all the way up to PhD, which basically took me till I was 30. Um, and so basically like, you know, the way it works, I'm not sure if it works that way in the States, but in Canada, like our government, if you have good, like an inst interesting research project, they will basically pay you to go to school. They'll pay you to do your PhD. Um, and so basically like I had a, a, a job like as a PhD student for five years. So 25 did my master's degree, which was like mom and dad were still paying. And then instead of going out and getting a job like everyone else does, I went out and got a job as a, a PhD student. That's interesting because you're still, yeah, obviously you're working, but it's a little different nuance. You don't have like a, you know, a boss There's and no anything boss. like that. Yeah. yeah. So with that though, it, you could stay in there forever. I mean, it seems like you potentially could, if you really wanted to, if you want to keep getting your PhDs, more PhDs, uh, but going that route, instead of doing that, you went ahead and said, I'm going to start mm -hmm. my own business. Yeah. I'm going to go this route. Talk to us about yeah. how that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the parallel with academia and like doing a PhD is you got to think of it a little bit like a government job. 
And that's ultimately where you end up. Like you finish a PhD and like I did complete my PhD. And then the next step for me would have been to be a professor, like a university professor. And what did not appeal to me about that and where I had my sort of crisis moment was I realized that like a job basically for the government, like wasn't my thing. Like I realized that there was a lot of infighting. There's not so much pressure in the sense that like the boss is going to give you pressure and long hours, but it's more like it's very political academia. And what I saw, you know, as my side hustle progressed as a, as a property manager in real estate is that I just really loved the kind of wild west aspect of that is that, you know, the sky's the limit. If you have good systems, you can kind of go as fast as you want. And like one of my frustrations with academia is just like everything is so slow and like so inefficient and it just makes no bloody sense, you know? So it's not like one of these like high pressure jobs where like you feel like they're, they're squeezing the last drop out of you, but it's more that like, I just didn't see myself evolving for 30 years in this like super, I don't know, like we have this great word in French. I'm not sure what it is in English, but like fonctionnaire, like this like unionized kind of government workplace. And I was like, no, nah, like I'm not going to spend 30 years of my life in there. I wouldn't say we have a word for it, but it sounds like horrible. And that, that's really what it comes down to. I literally, I, you, you remember my story. So I worked at the government as well. Hated it. Like I am not a government employee, but I did because I thought that was what I needed to do. I felt like a caged tiger. Like I had to get out. Like I couldn't, oh, it was horrible. So I agree with you on that. Now, I want to jump into, because you're an investor as well as a property manager. I, the first question that I want to ask you is, so when I'm coaching students on how to invest in real estate, I get students to say, hey, Dustin, I found a realtor who also, and so in the States, we have realtors that they are the ones that, you know, do the buy and sell. But this realtor also is a property manager. That's great. And I say, well, that's, that could be good, but I potentially see it more of a negative. And this is the way I see the differences. And I want to ask, get your opinion, what, since you're a property manager. And I want to pause for a quick second and share that. Honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin and Master Passive Income. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job, I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. So the difference between a property manager and a realtor is a realtor, they're with a property and a person buying the property for maybe let's say a week, a month, two months, or until they actually sell the property, then they sell it and then they move on. They're going on to the next deal. It's a different personality than a property manager. A property manager holds on to these properties. They make sure that you're their, their landlord, their customer is, is completely taken care of month after month, year after year, different personalities. I'll give you a, a quick example of what that personality would be. It would be like a police officer goes out and catches the bad guys and then puts them away in the jail. And then the people in the jail have to keep them. So try to get a police officer to, to hang out in the jail for more than like a couple hours. They, they, they go nuts. They have to leave. That's like the realtor. 
the officers are the ones that have the patience. They are the ones that have the diligence to go day in and day out. It's obviously a very, very uh, dramatic ex- uh, example between the two. But that's what I liken it to. Is like It's just different personalities. Not say one's good or bad, but that's what I'm thinking. So I love having a property manager who loves protecting protecting my assets, my properties, and taking care of my tenants. What are your thoughts? Am I completely off base and all that? I mean, I think if you're taking sort of the car- the caricatural, um, the caricatures of like those two personality types, I don't think you're wrong, okay? Um, I do think that they're like stereotypically a property manager, like, you know, as someone with a fair bit of patience who like knows the law as well. And, you know, the realtor, like, typical like you know head on a sign post like scream louder than everybody else salesperson now i don't work with realtors like that and i'm not a realtor like that and what i would say is i think um that can that it can work to wear those two hats if you're a property manager first and a realtor second so i'll explain to you like basically i have a small portfolio of like clients whose stuff i look after And because I know the market very well, I'm able to cherry pick, you know, and I'm always looking, I always have my eyes open. And I also see when there are opportunities and I know this property is right for this client, this property is right for this client. And, you know, I don't do 150 sales a year. I do maybe like five to 10 sales a year, but basically those are things that my clients then acquire and keep for a long time. And it makes sense with their portfolio. And I would say, you know, generally like, realtors who either are investors or who work with investors, you don't want to get confused between what their market segment is, right? And if they also do some property management like as well, um, I don't think that should be a necessary a no-go, but I think that for sure it's it's it not correct to say that like, you know, the the slimy caricature of like the the, the loud realtor is necessarily the person you want in your corner. Because I'll, I'll say like even on my own transactions, I don't represent myself. So I work with the realtor and he has like maybe 10 clients who are investors like me who are super active. And he does most of his business volume with us, but it's because he's like very pleasant and not kind of a loud salesy cop. Let's bust the bad guys kind of guy. <laughs> so I completely agree with you. So when I, when I'm coaching my students, I'm not, I'm not saying don't like, I'm not saying I like, this is raw. You don't do that. What I'm saying just understand the perspective. And so understand as I have as an investor, my experience has been X, Y, and Z. And so I'm painting out the picture and they're going to move forward with how they want to move forward with somebody or not. And so with the, and you, I think you hit it really, really well. I like working with property managers who happen to be realtors as well, as opposed to realtors who happen to be property managers. And you know what? I have seen that and I've not never seen it go well. Like here we, the pattern we often see is like realtors who like take rentals and it's like, they feel sometimes like they have clients that have vacant units and they get guilted into listing with them or they're looking to pick up like, you know, a small commission somewhere. And I like, that never really goes that well. Like if you want a realtor to rent your units, like work with someone who only does rentals or work with a property manager, don't get someone who like has that on the side because the commission's so small, like it's not gonna really be interesting to them. And and it's a different business model, you know? And like, I, I talk about this with my realtor colleagues because they don't even wanna take on the rentals. Like I have a team that's set up for that. I have a rental agent. And so for us to add one more rental in there, it's okay photographer okay marketplace boom 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 how are we fitting that into our rotation because somebody's opening doors every day 
Whereas like a realtor who like has their own business, like, do you think they're going to go open the door for a thousand dollar rental when they can go open, open the door for a $500,000 house? Like it's not realistic. That's a fantastic point and 100% agree with you. Now, let's talk about the business model of being a property manager. Now, obviously, when you're getting started, you're going to be one person and try to get other people to pick you as a property manager. If we want to get started, and let's say we don't have any of our own properties, because it would be easy to say, I have 10 of my own properties. I manage my own property, so I'm a property manager. Let me take on other ones. Let's say we're not even doing that. Let's just say somebody says, you know what? I really love real estate, and I want to get into getting rentals myself. What about making money as a property manager? How do we even just get in? Do we have to become a realtor? Do we have to learn the laws? Do we have to you know, take classes? What are your thoughts on getting started? Well, look, I don't want to, um, you know, I can tell you what the laws are in Canada, which is basically if tomorrow you want to say you're a property manager, you're a property manager. Um, I did actually, so I'll tell you how I got into it because I think this is kind of an interesting story. So I finished my PhD when I was 30, 31 and decided, okay, academia is not for me. I want to do real estate. And I didn't right away go and start my own business because I felt like I didn't know enough about business to do that. And, you know, whatever I do competitive sport, I got an opportunity to go and um, actually kickbox semi-professionally in France, but I needed a day job. And so my day job was to work in a property management company. And my goal was, I'm going to do that for two, three years, and then I'm going to open my own company. And so basically that's the only like real job I ever had was I figured like, if I'm going to you know, learn this, I'm going to go to school, someone's going to pay me to learn how to open my own business one day. And so that's what I did. I worked in a, you know, a small property management company for three years in France with the idea that I would just cookie cutter that firm after. And so like, I would recommend that anybody who wants to do that, like go and get yourself two years experience, pick the business that you want to own and go work in it for two years and like be just a total go-getter to learn everything you can and then go ahead and open it. Like that's the best. If then afterwards you need to go do like a bookkeeping course or like something to get you that knowledge that you're missing um, by all means do that. I actually, you know, wrote the real estate exam while I was working for that company. So, because I kind of had this strategy that that's where I wanted to go. So like, that would really be my recommendation is, but if someone wants to get into property management, like go work for somebody for two years. And like the great thing about that field is it's really not rocket science. So it's not like you need formal education. Like if you have a little bit of get up and go and, you know, you can sell your enthusiasm and your organizational skills, like every assistant I've hired had no background. They just had a personality that like convinced me that like, okay, they're going to be good at this job because they have minimum office skills and like they are awake. I think you're 100% right. In fact, I would say for everybody listening, what you, Terry, you just told everybody is not just if you want to be a property manager, do this. It's literally for anything that you want to do. And there's a wonderful book. Hopefully a lot of people have read it. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. With that book, he talks about working to learn. The poor people, we work to make money. That's what we do. We just, ah, oh, we go to work. We get paid for it. We work an hour. We get paid for that hour. We work to make money. We as rich people do not do that. We work to learn. In fact, so I, there's a, a term. I love the term successfully unemployed. It sounds a little more positive, like this is the direction that I wanted to go. There's also another term called unemployable that I've heard other people say, oh, I like your shirt. You know, hey, successfully unemployed. But I, 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 hey, I'm unemployable. I think personally, I'm not unemployable. In fact, I would literally pay 
Warren Buffett to work at his company. I literally would pay him money so that I could be around him to get his knowledge, his wisdom, uh, his contacts, his networks, just even being in his sphere of influence. I'm like, that would be so worth so much more than me getting paid any money. So all that to say, I love what you said. We want to work to learn. So if you're going to do anything in life, learn from somebody who is very successful first and just offer your time. Say, hey, can I work for you for free? I'll do what you need. And then, because I've got, actually get a few people ask me this uh, same question. Hey, can I work for you for free? And eventually I start paying them because they're doing such a great job. And so it's like, oh, there's no risk to bring you on other than maybe you make me look bad, but I'll figure that out as soon as I get there. But then eventually they learn and they go off on their own. So I love that. Now, do you, anything else to add? Because I do want to move on to what is, once we do have that idea of starting a property manager. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe if I can just sort of footnote what you said, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think if I could go back and give myself some advice from when I started, it's precisely that is to realize the importance of being around people who've got stuff figured out. And I think that like, you know, if I look back at, you know, maybe some of the insecurities that I had when I started or some of the fears that I had, it's like, I purposely didn't seek those people out because I felt like it was going to make me look stupid. Or if I did happen to meet someone who knew more than me, I like wouldn't share my concerns or I would like, you know, be around them and then quickly try to get away before they figure out that I'm an imposter. But like, that's the complete wrong thing to do. You know, it's like, if you just make it okay that you don't know everything and then make it your purpose to surround yourself with people who are like that much further ahead, I think that's like really paid or not paid. I think, I think I wish I'd started that earlier. (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. I love learning from other people's mistakes. In fact, there's a saying that a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from other people's mistakes, which is the right way to go. Okay. So let's say we've figured out, we understand now, like we've learned how to do a property management company, how to start doing it. How do we find our, because we need marketing, we need clients, we need people to pay us. So how do we find our first client? I'm going to say some things that are kind of hackneyed, but I think, you know, the first step is to just go and tell everybody you're a property manager. And like, basically I just, you know, went on Facebook, went on back then it was Facebook. Right. Cause I started this, like whatever, you know, I guess 12, 12, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and that was the only social media. And then I went on there and just like changed my social media footprint to be all about real estate. And so then I had like all these people from my network who started then contacting me and being like, Oh, Terry, I think you're the person that I should talk to for this. Or like, let's say, you know, I'm super, was active in the sports community. So then at the gym, I would like mention to everybody, Oh, I, you know, I do this now. And then slowly the questions start coming. So, I mean, that was like one aspect was like the kind of the personal network. Um, I think then, then I did do my share of cold calling. I, I hated the phone. But basically, like I responded to a lot of rental ads and I've seen this um, as a kind of a successful way for people who want to start like property management is with rentals. And so if you're able to go after the rental business, a lot of owners are like frustrated with showing their own units. They're stressed out because they can't rent them. If you just be like, look, try with me. If I find you someone pay me, if I don't find you someone, you didn't lose anything. And so I kind of like entered into this relationship with those property owners with this idea that I was going to build a network of property owners. And then that turned into some sales that turned into some long-term contracts. They weren't always the best contracts, but it definitely like kind of started the machine, like it poured some gas into the machine so that the thing could get rolling. 
The other thing, which, uh, and I think this is like maybe a less mentioned kind of a strategy is I joined um, a BNI group, which is Business Networking International. And I really can't say enough good about that experience. Um, so basically these are like neighborhood groups where a group of professionals gets together for like a breakfast once a week. And it's like referral marketing. So basically like the goal of the group is you refer business to the other professionals. And like, usually the networking group will be structured around something. So like I tried to find a real estate heavy group and I joined a group with like, I had the property manager's hat because you can only have one professional with each hat. So there was a broker, like a mortgage broker. There was a real estate broker. There was a notary. There was a, an accountant. And like, basically like, first of all, the connections were great. The business that I got from it was great. But the most important thing was to understand how to do business development. And like, I mean, BNI, like I did it for, I only did it for like two years, but they have a methodology that they teach you of like how to do business networking. And then I really, after that, didn't feel shy of just sitting down and having meetings with everybody who has a similar client base as me. So if I want to be a property manager, who has a similar client base? The notary, the real estate agent, the mortgage broker, all of them service people that I want to talk to. And so it then becomes, okay, like I'm going to tap into your network. You can tap into my network. And like, I then started doing that in a premeditated way. So like when I would meet, you know, a mortgage broker that I felt good about, like I felt like he had, you know, good ethics and, and was somebody that I wanted to refer people to, I'd just go out to lunch and be like, okay, I'm looking for this, this, this kind of client. Can you put me in touch with anyone? And who can I put you in touch with? Because like, I can open you know, my contact list to you, just tell me what you're looking like. And then if we can get five intros out of it, then we're, we're good to go. These are fantastic, really fantastic ways to actually build just about any business. If you take the ideas, the general ideas and networking is by far one of the best things you can do for any business and also for your own personal development. It's actually a skill that you have to develop. And I know like, obviously, me being an extrovert, it's much easier for me. I go up, hey, what's up, everybody? And if you're an introvert, it's going to be harder. But you need, there you go. You need to make yourself do it. Because when you do, the whole world opens up. You're like, oh, my goodness. Like, these people, they're, I thought it was going to be scarier. I thought I'd look foolish. But no, when you're actually helping each other out, everything gets better and better and better. Yeah, no, Dustin, it's, that's so true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I think for me, like I, I now I'm not shy. I used to be very shy and I'm also an introvert. So, you know, those two things feed off each other because if you're an introvert, you kind of don't need other people. So then like your shyness compounds and then you, you're kind of socially awkward. And like, for me, networking was my nightmare. And I think it's because I understood it as like either a sales call or the high school dance where like, I need to be popular. I need to like be cooler than everyone else. And then what this like, you know, BNI thing did for me is it made me understand that there's a science behind that. And I don't need to go to cocktail parties and like talk to 17 people like to feel good about my day. It's not about that. It's I need to talk, talk to one person and build a mutually profitable build business relationship with that person. That's networking. And there's this a very like kind of scientific way of doing it, of like touching those people who can help you grow your business and not in like a grubby pay attention to me kind of a way, but in a like, let me help you. And if you can help me, great. And it's kind of a natural thing that like, by the time I've connected you with three potential clients, you're going to feel like, man, I need a, like the, the, you know, the, uh, the elevator needs to go the other direction. And I better send Terry some business because she's been working for me. 
you're giving us so much, like I brought you on to talk about property management. You're giving us yeah. so much more <laughs> outside of just property management, because if anybody takes this and applies like what you're saying in the principles to any yes. business, yes. it's really going to help your business overall. Okay. So here's a problem that I find with property managers is a lot of them are horrible. <laughs> a lot of them, they don't do a good it's job. True. So it's true. how do you, let's start with, how do you find the right property managers that aren't horrible? And then we'll talk about how do you yeah. continue? Sorry, no, I don't want to take it from a perspective of an investor finding a property manager. When an investor is coming to you and wanting to work with you, how do you prove to them in just the interviews and the, the mm -hmm. talking how do you prove them that you're not horrible? And then we'll talk about how do you keep them as your customers? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's it's a really good question. And as you were asking it, I was like, oh, geez, I hope he doesn't ask me like how to find a good property manager because, you know, I think, um, so I do actually have property managers that work for me because I invest outside of uh, my home city, which is Montreal. Um, and so I, you know, I have relationships with those people and went through the headache of having to interview them. But I feel like because I run that business, I like know exactly what questions to ask. I want to know how they're structured. I want to know, like, do you have someone doing accounting? What uh, software you're using? How do you handle these particular, you know, situations? So like, I feel like it's, that's not, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to kind of give you a systemic answer. And I've now forgot the question you asked me. So just remind me the well, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you were going down the right path. And so yeah. it's not how an investor finds the right property manager. Oh, it's how do I as convince people? Yeah. Yes. How do you make sure that you come across as knowledgeable? Like, this is what I'm looking for as an investor. Yeah. Knowledgeable, yeah. trustworthy. Can you communicate well enough that I'm, you're going to get back to me that can trust you and you have the experience with references? Like, that's what I'm looking for. How do you prove yeah. that to the person that you're, uh, that's actually hoping to get you as your property manager? You know, there's, there's two um, time separated um, data points in there, right? Like, I think today when I have conversations with potential clients, like, my, my portfolio is actually closed and people like ask me, I wish that I wish you would take me on, you know, and when we do, I do have those discovery calls, like I've been working in that field for, you know, I guess it's been 20 years. So like, I kind of know exactly what to say, right? If they want to know how you're going to rent my units, well, then I can say, okay, I've rented this many similar units. Here are the questions we ask. Here are the problems we have. Um, same thing with management. Like often someone will come and see me. It's because their property is poorly managed. And so they will bring me a bunch of problems. And then I'll be like, okay, this, 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 this is how you solve the problem. Um, you know, like if I'm going to take command of things, this is how my payment system works. This is how everything works. And I think people respond to that, like take charge, very organized way that shows that I've anticipated everything. Um, that's today, right? And after with 20 years experience, but when I was like building my client list initially and like the only property I had under management was my one triplex, right? <laughs> like it's a different conversation. And I think that there's like an aspect of, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, but also just to have them like trust you as a person, you know? And I think that those first clients that I took on, like maybe I did make some beginner's mistakes, but I really like manage their properties as if they were my properties. And I think that was the, the thing that I put out there from the beginning that ended up working, you know? And it's like really this very strong feeling of take responsibility, be authentic and be honest, you know? And I think like, I don't, I don't know exactly how to screen for honesty, but I think it's something you can kind of feel with people. Like I, you know, I get the feeling and 
there's a saying also, um, my husband is Algerian. So they have like a saying in Arabic, which says, follow the liar to his house, which means if you want to see a dishonest person, just observe them long enough until they lead you somewhere <laughs> that's going to show that they're lying. And so the more you can prolong the process of getting into a relationship with someone, a business relationship, whatever it is, I think the more you're going to see what kind of an animal you're really dealing with. I love that idea because I do that, or at least I teach that and do that with myself is I interview property managers multiple times, not just one phone call. And it's not over text, you know, so I absolutely make sure that I'm really getting to know my property manager, a potential property manager. And you also said something earlier that keys into this really, really well, because if you want to be a property manager and or literally any business, if you want to do something and you have no clue how to say the right lingo, like the right words to say. And when somebody gives you a word, you know, like, like vacancy factor, like what is vacancy factor? Like, if you don't know what that is, then I'm not going to really trust that you're actually good property manager. But when you said go back, and if you go back and listen, what you said was you need to be around the people that are experts and work for them for a year, two years and really understand it. Once you do, you're going to have that in the back of your brain, you'll be able to move forward with it. So here's one thing that is I'm a stickler. And this is what I tell all my students is when you're investing and you're finding a property manager, and you're trying to call up property managers, and they're not calling you back before they have your business. Bad news. Imagine, so yeah, if they don't call you back when they don't have your business, imagine when they actually have your money, and like, oh, this guy again, I'm not going <laughs> to hang up on you. That's bad. So you definitely need to make sure that they're, they're very, they have good communication skills. That's like the trustworthiness, communication skills, and experience. Those are like the the top three. If they don't have those, I'm like, you're out. So as we're building our business, let's say we have a couple of clients. How do we make sure we don't become a horrible property manager? That's about systems and it's about knowing what you can take on at what time, right? And like I had phases in my career where I grew too fast and I was pulling my hair out, right? Like I didn't have the team built. I didn't have the systems built. And so like, you know, I had this one incident when it was like Christmas and the furnace went out in a 24 unit building that I was managing furnace and hot water. So now I've got 24 families about to celebrate Christmas with no heat in minus 20 in Montreal, no hot water. And they've got to prepare Christmas dinner. Like it was not a good situation. So like, that was my Christmas. I was like there in the building trying to get the the heat back on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that's a, a question of like making sure that you have the systems in place that allow you to scale and really keep your eye on the balls that are important. And again, you know, in terms of copying business models, like if you want to understand how to do it successfully, like look at the business model that people are running who are one or two steps ahead of you. And it might be that you're not going to be able to scale with the way that you're dividing up tasks. Um, one of the big uh, eye openers for me was also the book. I don't know if you know the book, uh, The E-Myth which is the entrepreneur myth. And man did, that, man, did that open my eyes because like definitely the way I was running things was exactly what the author says not to do, which is just basically have a bunch of clones, right? Like you don't divide up the work properly. You just make it that I'm going to try to hire two more Terry's. And as a result, we're all going to be able to do three times as much work, but that that's actually not how it works. You need to really like break up each aspect of your business into a digestible piece, maybe do the job yourself for a bit write procedures, have it very clear, and then hand it off to somebody who has the minimum level of skill that they need to do that job. And I think that's like very good advice. Like if you need a low level bookkeeper, make sure that like that little bookkeeping job is like 
there. There's a box around it. Give it to the person. You understand what they're doing enough to be able to take it back if ever something goes wrong. And I think that's another big thing is that in terms of like, for me, like understanding the different roles, I definitely got caught out with this, especially with accounting, where I didn't have the knowledge to take over the admin from the person who was doing it. So at one point, and then I forced myself to do it for a year. And then now I know. <laughs> Man, Terry, this is, so if anybody listening to this, obviously this is geared towards property management, but you're giving us business sense because really what you're doing is you are running a business that you have customers and you have a product that you need to take care of. And that's really what it comes down to, even though it's a service-based business, but we need to make sure that we're actually, as business owners, we're taking care of our customers. So I'm going to give you a question. I'm pretty sure you're going to answer it right, but I'll, from my perspective, I'll give you my answer. But who is your ultimate customer as a property manager? That's a good question. Um, my ultimate, and, and I know what you're going to say, and I'm not going to tell you why not. <laughs> no, my ultimate customer is, is my, uh, my property owner is my investors. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. So I, I agree. Now the tenants are the landlord's customers. I was worried. There you <laughs> <laughs> like, some people say, oh, the tenants are the clients. And I'm like, no, no, the tenants are not the clients. They are the tenants. <laughs> Absolutely. They're not, so, a, not a customer. <laughs> I love it. I'm, see, yeah. that, this is why I, because when I was on your podcast, like I was like, man, I, Terry, Terry gets it. Like we, where we see eye to eye on lots of stuff. So flesh that out a little bit as a yeah. property manager, how do you make sure you keep that focus right? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, this is a, this is a, I'm going to give you a context-based answer. Uh, I should say that like, you got to think about Montreal as like, if this is California in terms of like tenant protections, we're like here. Right. So basically like a landlord. Wait, 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 like worse, worse than California. Like worse, like so oh, much worse. Than no, just, just, I'm going to tell you three things you're going to understand. There's no damage deposit. Damage deposits are illegal. A landlord can never end a lease. Like I can never not, the lease renews automatically. I cannot terminate a lease. The only reason I can terminate is to evict oh for non-payment. No, no, it's crazy. Um, and then, well, that's pretty much it. And we have like a rental board, which like all of these things have to go through the rental board. So basically <laughs> like I would say 70% of tenant relationships are a handcuff situation. It's like you're stuck with people who like you don't necessarily, they would really not be your first choice as tenants. And if the relationship ever goes sour, you as the landlord have no option of ending it. So like, we're really in my market, we are like really not in an environment where uh, the tenant can be mapped onto a consumer or a customer. I think in, you know, places that are less tenant friendly, like maybe that thought process works a little bit more, but in my market, it's certainly not the case. So it's more like, how do we legally respect our obligations uh, while not letting them go overboard? Because the thing is, the tenants have so much power here that usually they have crazy demands. Oh, and rent control. We also have like very, very strict rent control. So like, obviously they're not writing, like they're not writing the checks. So they want gold toilets and they get $2 increase a year. So <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> My goodness. Wow. Okay. So is it just in that area or is it all of Canada? So all of Canada is about on a level with California pretty much, except for maybe Alberta, but we're like even more like the rest of Canada is allowed damage deposits and they're allowed to terminate leases. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I personally stay away from 
states that aren't landlord friendly. I mean, if you take care of my property, I'm going to take care of you. If you are not taking care of my property, you're going to get out. Like it's, it's just seems like that's the right way to like, we both hold up our end of, of the bargain. If I'm not taking care of the property, then there's some repercussions on me. All that to say, man, that's, that's, I, I like investing where state in states that actually help both sides in a sense. Like I don't want to be hamstrung. So man, this is great. Now, Terry, is there, what else, like any other wisdom or any insights as far as if we're going to be a property manager, it could also just be business in general. And I love how you took the idea of not being a bad property manager as opposed to, or uh, in, in a direction of scaling, how you need to be able to scale, right? If you can't scale, things are going to fall, fall like all those balls that you're juggling, you're going to drop, but any other wisdom that you can give us? Business wise. I mean, so I just wrote a book called the mindful landlord, um, which is really talking about, um, you know, kind of the more mental aspects of investing and building a business, basically. And I know there's a lot of people who, you know, like positive affirmations and, you know, this kind of like raw, raw, raw business mindset. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about, you know, optimi- optimizing your mind for performance and keeping an eye on your well-being. And I think if I would, you know, place kind of a little asterisk uh, and give people some advice is it's really important as you're either investing or building a business to not lose sight of why you started things in the first place. Because I think a lot of people, once they decide to take the plunge into business or into investing, they have a lot of stress, they feel a lot of pressure, and that that just trans into, translates into like being in a different rat race. And the whole point is you stopped working a job to get out of the rat race, don't let whatever you do afterwards become another rat race. And that is up here because there's no boss driving you. It's you driving you. And in that case, you really have to be aligned and set boundaries. You know, like for me, um, I struggled sometimes with like the you know work-life balance of my family life. And, you know, I have a small kid. And so, you know, how much am I spending mom time building my business when like, ultimately, like, that's just, heart wise, not what I want to do. And so, you know, like, I think there, I think every, you know, young parent goes through that, but that it's a question of like deciding, like, when am I going to put my pedal to the metal? Because I can allow something there to get out of balance. And like, when is it more important to like, no, I'm going to make a bit less money. I'm going to grow a bit less fast, but like, I'm going to teach my kid how to ride a bike, you know? So. I love it. I love it. So we definitely, we'll definitely make sure we put all those, those links inside the show notes, but how can people find you? How can people reach out to you and listen to your podcast? Cause I know people like, I'm like, man, this is so such good information. We want to get more. So tell us how we can find you. Basically. Um, I have a website, terryshower.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably my social media of choice. And, um, my book mindful landlord is available on Amazon, or I also have a webpage where you can learn more about it. Purchase the book mindfullandlord.com. Thank you so much, Terry. And you guys need to check out her podcast. I was on there as well. Really, really great information. So you guys can tell that Terry and I see eye to eye on lots of stuff. So Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Dustin. It was great. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching. Get all my courses. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next show. See ya. See ya.